Welcome to The Solution, a real estate podcast for agents by agents, hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Jeff and Phil run a residential real estate team that will close over $250 million worth of homes in 2018, and they are sharing their insights on growing a team and winning in the living room with actual buyers and sellers. Enjoy. Today's episode 28 of The Solution. We appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to the podcast, the only podcast that we know of that is out there actively trying to bring an increased value proposition, increased certainty that agents deliver to the clients that they work with. And so today, Jim Mitchell, thanks for joining. As always, uh, sorry we're late for the live broadcast here, but today... You know, I had a story. We talked about DPL the last time we were here, and I want to continue the story because it kind of helped us uh, figure out the conversation that we were going to have today, Jeff. Well, I mean, I guess because we've been dedicated to putting the consumer first, and I mean, you know, Phil, the beginning of this started in 2010, 2011, where I was like, after I had done a couple hundred transactions... I was like, how can I improve this? Meaning, how can I pr- improve what I do in my performance for my clients? Right? So we've been working on this and working on this and working on this for years and years and years and years. And now we fast forward and then we tell people, let's put the consumer first in real estate. And apparently, everybody else in the universe thinks it's, the experience. The experience. Yes. Why Why is it so hard for us to – we're just bad explainers? No. I'm a bad explainer? Well, You're a bad explainer? I'm, let's not – I'm not going to address that point. I, okay. think that, <laughs> I think that it just said trying to reconnect, but it looks reconnected. Okay, good. I think that the real reason is because there's um, certain things – Are you going to tell that, a story about DPL? I am. Okay. And I think that certain there are certain things that agents feel that they can control and certain things that they feel they cannot control. And it's hard for an agent – are agents anywhere taught that they should be more – are agents anywhere try, um, taught that they should change the process of – Listing houses? I, they're not. No, actually, they're told to just do whatever the client wants. Yes, and, but there's also classes out there or there's speakers out there that teach people how to improve the client experience during the normal process. But then nobody attacks that process. And that's why I think it's hard to understand is because when you come out and you say things that are different, it's harder to understand what it is that you're talking about. So I'm, there I am with DPL. We... Uh, we caught up. We we met up yesterday because uh, we've got an event coming up. That D. We're... Patrick Lewis for people that may not have watched last time. Yep, DP DPL. And he's at Homes and Garden. Affectionately uh, referred to him as he is not at Homes and Garden. He's a realty executive. He's a real executive. Yep, awesome. and so he is the next year president of the Arizona Association of Realtors. Kind of a big dog. Kind of a big deal. Arizona Association of Realtors. Yeah, okay. they only have... I mean, I told them I, I understand what you're going through because I was the president of my Rotary Club. <laughs> well, we had 30 members. 30 members. Yeah. yeah. And he said that they have 50,000 at AAR. 50,000 members. Yeah. Said, well, so, so same. Similar. Same. Similar. Same. Yeah, 30 same or 50,000. Yeah. When I'm talking to him about the proposed way of him 
what he said with coloring books for kids when they come on showings to help improve that customer experience and how that's not the solution. We spent 45 minutes together not only talking about that, but I explained that, no, it was more about the shift on the baseball field that you now see players doing, which is the you know coaching the game differently, not refreshments. And the coloring thing is more like refreshments. Or your analogy with the Diamondbacks was the Diamondbacks have people that dress up in costumes as ketchup, mustard, and relish. And they race around the field and the fans cheer for which one they think is going to win, right? Yes. And um, that is to improve the customer experience, but that doesn't improve the baseball player's game. Right. And so it's starting to sink into me how to explain that difference. And so when we got up to leave, he said, you know, you should really look into this individual agent. And I said, great, what is that individual agent doing? And he said, well, he's got an agreement with a local florist. And I said, stop right there. That's a refreshment. That's not being a better real estate agent. Unless, and I, I didn't, I cut him off before he could finish, but I don't think he was about to say, I have an agreement with a local florist that plants flowers in the front of every house because that makes the curb appeal better and makes the house sell yeah. for more. I think the word is introspect, introspective. Wow. Introspective. What? Okay. Is that a what word? is that word for? It means that I got to look it up now. That it's it's Gary V. It's self awareness, dude. Okay. To make it easier. The, the, I, that, like, how, so, you like self awareness. I like self awareness. That realtors, because it's clear that we are unable to be to have self awareness, <laughs> and I think that you had a really really good photo that was posted on our Instagram that had the definition that I need to look up so that um, I can remember what it was, but. Self-awareness is self-awareness. That was in your slide deck that you when you were on the panel yes. at the Arizona School of Real Estate and Business. Yes, and the reason why we constantly bring it up, it's conscious knowing of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. What it is it to be self-aware is to have a clear perception of, as a realtor, of your performance, in my opinion. Self-awareness is, is am I doing the job of being a realtor better? Okay, so one way that you can measure your job of being a realtor, I'm going to go with experience. Okay. Okay. So years licensed. Okay. Now, I think it's not just years licensed and when I look at experience, but um, because meaning if you have been in the business 25 years and you sold one house a year, for 25 years, are you gonna be a? Are you gonna perform the highest level ability of being a realtor? No, no, you can't. No way. No way. Right? Because it's one. You're doing one transaction from beginning to end each year, yeah. and there's 365 days. Obviously, your focus is doing something else every day, so you don't have all of the pot. They're just, or you just don't. People don't like you. So maybe, well, I mean, if you're only doing one transaction. And you're, you're not in real estate for real. You're not in real estate full time, yes, right? That's okay. Not a, that's not a, okay. those aren't stats of a But then when we look in the experience within that, it's okay. But what if you, so what if you're in the business for one year and you've done 25 transactions? I believe that one year in 25, action, 25 transactions, that person probably knows more about real estate than one person, the person, not the... But I mean, as far as understanding the market and stuff like that, the person that sells 25 houses a year is going to be 
that's an interesting debate. But that's my whole point is let's have this debate, right? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that. I, I still think that Here's the they're going to understand the contract a lot more if you did 25 transactions this year because there was a major change in the contract. So if you only did one transaction and it was before that we went from the – the seller's warranties changing in February over to not, then you might not know that that exists now. And now you wouldn't, when someone says, oh, well, you have to, you better fix your AC because that's warranted. Well, now that's a different conversation. Right. I agree with that. Okay. I mean, I think that one of the stats that you have commonly referred to <clears throat> is the 98 and 2. You know what I'm talking about? Nine. Yes, I do. Right. What so 98% of the time, when I tell someone what their house is worth, what their house is going to sell for. Right. It's within 2%, 98% of the time. Right. Right. So that to me is a, is a measurement of performance. Exactly. So the way that I look at it though, especially if we're looking at agenttruth.com is we measure agents what their, what their original list price is versus their sales price. Not from where the list price at what it sold for, what did you accept the contract at? And yes, I do have sellers that I cannot convince, but the point of it is, is that I think that realtors should be providing expertise, sharing with their clients and have the skills to um, not let them list their house above the market value. Agreed. But even if they have clients that list above the market value, which it's just the reality of yeah, the world. Yeah. Uh, your numbers that you based that on weren't based on OLP or original list price. Your numbers were based on us documenting at the listing appointment yes. when you told the client, and then you're opening up it up to the client on how they want to well, where they want to list well, because you know they never believe you. Yes, right. But I, like one step one is to get better at. Knowing that number. Right. And then step two is you will have more conviction of your knowledge if you have a measured stat that you can be right. that you can use as back. So I think we need to provide a little more detail on that. But so what it would happen is is that we would um, provide the client during the listing presentation we, we provide a range of you know, you can list the. You, you used to tell them a number. Yeah, a non-competitive, passive, and aggressive range. But I would tell them it, the number that it was going to sell for, not the number that you would list. The no, house no, no, no. The, the number that, that, it that it would sell for. And we track. We've been tracking this number for now a long time, and ninety-eight percent of the time, I know what the number. What like I predicted before it was sold, before it was listed, <laughs> what it was going to sell for. Um, and well, you were within 2%? 98% of the time, yeah. Right. So, I mean, but that's why we knew that we could put the the chart together of figuring this out because we have a, a very good grasp of what real estate sales is all about. Yeah. Like and it, part of it, though, is also that there's no – is there a metric? Like I'm curious with the to the audience. The question is what's the metric that uh, the public can see – on how they know if an agent is snowballing you with a high price to get the listing or not. Well, I mean, it's interesting because HomeSnap started making this number public to agents and there was a lot of blowback because agents didn't want this number to be public. Well, Redfin published the number. on the, They published the number publicly. Still? No. For the them. The backlash that happened, they took it down. 
Like they went live with the product and it got so much, so many complaints on that's not my real number. You didn't take this into account or that into account or whatever. Your data is bad. Yes. They took it down. Right. But the reality is, is this is the number that you should be judging yourself upon whether you're doing good for the seller or not. So there's two – to me, I believe there's two numbers that in conjunction to this particular aspect or maybe three numbers. It would be how many did you list versus how many did you sell. Okay. Right? So meaning if you took 10 listings, did 10 of them sell? And then you would say, okay – um, how I, actually there's multiple statistics. Let me just not even say yeah, it's three. Right. It's a, yeah, I, I got more analytics on this than, than than is humanly possible. But so I say, okay, what is the original list price? Because usually the original list price is a number that you're agreeing to take a listing at, and then there's a sales price where it actually sells at. Okay, now there's how many meaning that some agents don't sell all of the houses they list. I think last year uh, we were at 91%, not counting houses that we relisted, meaning if we went off the market. Um, okay. But what percentage it is, and then it's also what price range are you selling? Because right now if you list the house at 200000 and you can't sell it, you're really bad. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just fact. I mean, there's this, there's more buyers than there are sellers. In or the market, that but, house was worth a hundred. Or it's no, but if you took a listing that was worth a hundred and priced it at two hundred, then you were advised to me when you take that listing, you're there's two choices. One, you're telling the seller that you think it's worth a number that it's really not worth. That means either you don't know what it's worth, or you're misleading the seller thinking that you could sell it. Now, some people out there will say, well, I'm doing what my seller wants. But I mean, the average list price to the average sales price, according to Crawford, is like 33% difference. So somebody's out there's, um, I mean. Yeah, so Jeff comments. Jeff, is there also a different view that always being within 2% you did not push the envelope on what the home could bring. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, we listed Great question. We listed the house at whatever they wanted to. What I was referring to is we wrote down the number that I thought would be the sales price number. So there was no variance because like – so. But also there was two numbers that you gave okay. a lot of people. Yes. With the two different I said numbers. here's what you should list for mm -mm, and then – That's not what I mean. Oh. There was two different values that you gave to a lot of people. What were those two values, Jeff? Do you know? Well, in my, if you were as saying, is, as is, or, or if you if listen you, to upgrades that I recommend. So I exactly. gave people two numbers. But what it was, like, for instance, we just relisted a house. So I was competing against another top agent. And during the listing process, this was a year ago? This was a year ago. A year and a half ago. Yeah, something like that. And the I suggested to people that they should list at 900000 But I told them that if they, or I would list it up to nine hundred thousand, but I said that it would sell for eight fifty was the number, and I wrote it down. Right, we it will sell for eight fifty. So they said, "Okay, you win," but we want to go with the other agent's number because the other agent told the people that it was worth nine hundred and fifty thousand. Okay, so unfortunately, you had a choice. I had a choice. Do I want the listing or not? And I chose to take the listing, but we have it documented because we say because you could be wrong. Because I, right? Because I'm I'm not. Yeah, almighty God, right? Like I, I make a lot of mistakes. 
But anyway, so we take the listing and we finally get down to 875 and it still doesn't sell. I get fired. They hired the other agent who then relist the house at 900. It still doesn't sell. And then they how long did you how long do we have the listing? Six months. Six months. And we got yelled at and fired at how bad we sucked, even though I took it at his price, right? So fires me, hires the other agent, hires them for a six months, six months, months, right? They get down to eight hundred thousand, the house still doesn't sell. Yeah. And they go off the market. And they go off the market. They rented it or something, didn't they? Yeah, they rented it, right? So then a year later, so it was probably even further ago. Yeah. So we relisted it. This, then, no, hold on. Hold on. But I told them it was... They call you back. Oh, right. After the tenant moves out, they call you after experiencing both of the, you and the, your competitor. Yeah. And they said, Jeff, we want you to relist the house. Right. And well, because they said, what would you relist that? And the other agent they called back was going to list it, I'm assuming a different number. They said 800 because it was previously listed at 800. And I and said... And didn't sell. And I said, no. I said, it's... I said, will you put a wall up in the backyard? And he said, No. I said, okay, then we should listen to the 850. Meaning, because if he wanted 900, I told him if he were to wall, but he wouldn't want to do that. So it sold full price. So you list, relist it for 850, and then that weekend you get a full price offer. Yeah. So the market there is up about 3%. So who knows what, but the point was, is I was pretty, I was certainly pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Right. Good, good, good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then Jim well, says, did we answer Jeff's question? Yeah. You did not push the envelope on what the home could bring. And no, that, was, that was why I say we actually give two prices, Jeff, most times. And that is what it is as is. Actually, we give then, six prices because we go the – I mean values of what it will actually sell for. Oh, okay. I agree that you give six different ranges for where they want to list. Right. But though, I don't want to get those numbers confused. List price and sold price are two different things. If you – agents tracking what they would list the house for doesn't help them get better. Agents tracking on what they think that house is actually going to sell for – Tells you whether you actually understand the market. Right. The value of kitchens, master bath, bedrooms, outdoor space and flooring and the city and the market. Like to me is if you can track the number that you think and you're accurate, that means you actually know. And I, Jim, I'm glad you jumped on this point because when Jeff, when those words came out of Jeff's mouth, I thought it as well. So I'm glad to see you type it Uh, out. Okay. Jeff, if you list a home at whatever the seller says, then do you acknowledge that it's okay to take overpriced listings and then work to get the seller down to a reasonable number? Well, I believe that if you tell them and that, which I do, I don't think it will sell at this. And I put it in writing. This is, this will not sell at this price, but if you want, we can list at it and we can revisit it after. Uh, here's what's gonna and I put in we put it in writing. You're gonna have low traffic, right? You know, but I think that if you price in this range, that you'll get traffic and it will sell. So I think it's okay to take an overpriced listing if you've abundantly made it in clear in writing that you think that there's no chance of it selling at this price, but. We're not perfect and we're willing to take – because that's what I tell people is like, you know what? I could be wrong, right? Like maybe your house is spectacular and I just can't see. <laughs> yeah. So um, it is what it is. I mean that's OK. But I, good good comments. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jim. So the other thing is is what percentage of your listings sell at or above asking price? And that's kind of to Jeff's point is that I think that the acceptable range in today's marketplace, depending at price range, is about 15 to 20% of your listings 
should sell at or above. Yeah, and Meaning, so I can you actively? Because are you doing a good job marketing? But Jeff, I think that that's another way to explain or to answer Jim's question, right? Because is it something that we do on a regular basis where you have a client that wants to list crazy high that you always know every time ten percent over they want to list every time. Right, but that you actually take those listings at that number. No, because mm. when you look at our overall numbers for how many houses actually sell at right. list yeah. price or within what's the number? What 15, is your number? Uh, shockingly enough, it's 16.6% at or over. Oh, at or over list price. Right, yeah, at or over list price, yeah. Because if you – if more than 20% of your listings are selling over asking price, you're – it leads one to believe that you're underpricing the listings. Right. Like that many should not mean that because where we're at, putting the customer first. Wait, are you but you're putting at list price in that number? Yeah. I think if a, if a house is priced perfectly, you can actually list it 2% above its value. But due to the fact that it's on the market less than 10 days, it forces the buyer to present an offer. At, at full price. At, at full so price. at. That's at. Yeah. So you. So I. So I, I, I I'm questioning I, your logic here. Okay. Right. I think that you're talking if that if you list if you sell more than twenty percent of your listings above list price. Yes. Then that's your argument because if you go no you, no no no, no it's both yeah well, I, I, well I mean okay. it's just because if you're trying to get top dollar it's about pricing the property perfectly. So if you know a house is worth five hundred thousand, what is a perfect price to list it at? If you think that house is going to sell for five hundred thousand oh, dollars, to me, value. to me, it well, there's lots of things that matter. I know, in but that, you said two percent. No, I, you all right, then you got to tell me what the inside higher. looks like. Solid, sweet house. That means nothing to me. What it you mean? It's got two it by looks, six construction. You that's mean right. Yeah, block. <laughs> okay, block, <laughs> slump block. Okay, uh -huh. good. Yeah, that yeah. It doesn't matter. You think the house is worth five hundred thousand, and it is exactly what everybody out there wants, and you know that that's worth five hundred thousand in today's marketplace. Yeah. Is it in a but okay? So, so is it five ten? Is it five ten in in Greyhawk with a strong school district, or is it five ten in Eloy? It's five hundred thousand in wherever you want. What would you? No, it's not. Okay, all in Eloy. In Eloy, then I would come right at five hundred thousand because there's not okay in Greyhawk. Then I I think you could probably go five ten or five fifteen because of demand. Because of demand. Because I know the volume of buyers that I'm going to have looking at that. So do you think – also? You, so in Greyhawk, you think that you can sell that house for above value? Is I know I can. Means? Yeah. Gotcha. Because of demand. So then doesn't that make the value actually 510? Um, that wouldn't be a $500,000 house then. No, because I think it's what's called the is it's under. I think that they're going did, intrinsic value. Intrinsic on me? Going, going intrinsic value. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah. So what it is is when I home, need to look that one up. What's yeah. The definition intrinsic, of intrinsic value of a house, meaning that so there's a value that if you list a house with an agent that their marketing consists of a sign, uh, a rider, a post. Like that doesn't do anything and doesn't change the interior of the house and doesn't do any marketing and just sticks it on MLS, right? If you just – if you walk up – Intrinsic to, value is the perceived or calculated value of a company including tangible and intangible factors using fundamental analysis. Okay. Yeah, so basically the, the, the current value of the house listed on MLS for 500 bucks, whatever one of those services that you want to use. This is a – Wow, Kathy's coming in. Be no. clear with the client. Right on. Thank you, Kathy. 
Your broker is listening. No F-bombs, please. <laughs> or at least try. <laughs> I do try. Jim, I could argue that if it sells above list price, that you've then undervalued the home. That's why I'm saying. Costs. Right. But yeah. well, we're also not perfect. Michelle in the part, in the mix. But, What's up, Michelle? But what I'm saying is that some clients want to price it competitively. Right? Like, so yeah. there's a little bit of that in there. But also there's... It's hard, and I'm also. It's hard, and like right now at 300, like we um, listed this house down at 85268 down in Chandler. Yeah. And right now that mark is hotter than you know the the, the sun, the underside <laughs> of my 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 sun, my fryer. Uh, there you go. Right. Okay, yeah. Right. Like it's hot. I was wondering where he was going. Yeah. With that. Once you disclose not safe for work, Chandler. Yeah. Really, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> But um, I don't know. I mean, there's lots of different things. But it, it, the reality is, is that I don't want to be so insensitive because we're with Agent Truth. We're judging people that there's there's some room for. It's not like when, nobody's perfect because we're still working with the client. But it's still. I just know of a lot. Of, if if too large of a percentage are selling, because like if it sells for a thousand more. Right? Are you that bad? No, that means you're probably priced pretty well, right? Yeah. But if there's lots of them that are selling five and ten thousand over, then you know, closed, right? That means that they appraised or they found a cash buyer. I'm not talking about offers. Offers mean nothing, right? I'm talking about closed sales. You know, then it's you know at the lower price range, we're just seeing a lot more of it. But it's you know, it's you should both be fighting for time. I believe that. Ideally, you should price a house in the range of two to three percent above where it's not. It's just intrinsic value. Like to me, when we market a house, I feel that we're worth two to three percent over a normal agent in the way that we prepare houses and do other things. And then with the marketing, we're worth up to possibly five percent. Okay. So it's I I base it off on what my number is, not what because I mean I see listings when I go into MLS and I look at the listings and I'm like. That person undersold that house massively because they use oh. price per square foot as a. So I was at a client's house today. Yeah, we're doing a uh, follow-up event after we sold this house. He then moves into a, a new neighborhood. Uh -huh. right? You're familiar with the neighborhood? Cinquedados. Cinquedados. Right. Yes. So uh, on the map, you go to 8300 East Dixoleta, and what right. happens? They have two addresses. And yeah, you go and to you the back gate. Yeah, right? yeah. You get to then go around. To the side it's a gate. PIMA address. Uh huh. Off PIMA. Yeah, I think it's 16660. No, it's a. Uh, Go for it. Dig it out, buddy. Dig in there. Where is it? But anyway, he says to me, you know, I've seen that um, the listings, the houses for sale in here really have nothing to do with the square footage. And I smiled because I think that... That's what I said. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, people... Yes. Like the, the public, I mean, in track neighborhoods, let's go with... Which Cinquedados is not. Right. Yeah, in track neighborhoods, maybe. I mean... Probably, but what, dude? Greyhawk on Overlook in July of 2015. Don't you consider that a track neighborhood? No, no. You don't consider that a track neighborhood? Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. The the exact floor plan across the street from itself. That's not a track neighborhood. Uh, technically, but not by my term, right? right? Like to me, right. it's I'm talking neighborhoods under three or four hundred thousand where there's less variance in the um. Gotcha. In in the in what is put in the houses, right? Like okay. you're not putting in. Granite, petrified forest tree granite in a $200,000 house. Well, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you're choosing level one or two. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, um, but yeah, the, 
neighborhoods sell in a range. They don't sell price per square foot. And there's, I mean, we that becomes a challenge that I think that that's just a valid statement as we're talking about how to get better at pricing at knowing what houses will Well, uh, yeah. I mean, the thing is that if you're using price per square foot, then you don't actually understand what sells a house versus what does sell a house. Like you, you're just using ranges and that's just, uh, you know what? Uh, you're part of the public. It's funny because I think if you use price per square foot, you're, are, you're demonstrating that you, Zillow's right. Hmm. Like, like, is that like, how about have some expertise is where I'm at, like, understand what homes are worth. And then you actually can provide value to the client. I mean, price per square foot's wrong 30% of the time. If you were going to measure your son and he went to the doctor and he's like, his measurement plus or minus 30%, 30% how would you feel? I'd find a new doctor. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Right. How about when we take our temperature, right? Like, okay, the temperature of your body is plus or minus 30%. Should <laughs> yeah. we still use it? It's right. either 80 or 150. 80 or, yeah, 115, <laughs> right? Like somewhere in there, right? Yeah. So when we get Shanley to chuckle, I feel like we're on a good track. And I, I just saw a little chuckle out of him. So. <laughs> he would also leave that doctor. I think that's what the chuckle Yeah, is. yeah. It's understanding that neighborhoods sell on a range and then it's the contents. I think the average home can range about 25% based upon the upgrade. And um, I have never used price per square foot. And you know what? I still get the number. I get the so number right metrics? more. Right. What other metrics do you think are important? A part of the solution right, how, more about how, doing a good how, job for the client. How many that you have hit cancel or expire? To me, it's the days on market, the amount of buyer sides that you represent. Like there's, there, like in experience, there's. Do you just list houses? There's uh, all kinds of stuff. Okay, so let's say that I just list houses. I've got. I've been in the business for. Or you only represent buyers, right? 12 years, yep. And I've got uh, 25 deals a year and 95% of them are buyers. What is that? How do you think I'm doing as far as the solution goes? Give me some feedback. Give me some real-world feedback if that's me. Uh, give me the parameters again. I've been in the business for 12 years. Okay. I sell on average 25 houses a year. 95% of those are buyers. Is that good or bad in the in the twelve in, years? I would huh? be concerned that you like you, you're not doing a good job of follow up on your past clients. I know I don't want to talk to them. Right, exactly, right? Like it's clear. Like how could you not be listing houses if you if you represented buyer? Like to me. Oh, does that make me a bad agent? Yeah. A bad buyer's agent? No, maybe not a bad buyer's agent, but like. You're doing something. Yes, it actually it does. Okay, tell me why. Well, I mean, sorry, but this is just my opinion. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Because well, because if you've represented 25 buyers a year for 12, 12 years, years how many clients do you have? 300. 300. Okay. Right. So since the average person moves every five to seven years, like you should be listing at least 15 houses a year. But you know, I'm also an agent that doesn't. I don't really have a database, Jeff. It, I, right, I, but the thing is, is to me, this is speaks to time producers first. If you're you doing a great job that, as a buyer's nice. agent, right? Like we just listed the house where like, like we we sold them the house and they came back to us six years later and said, you did a great job. We want you to sell. Like that has to happen. If that's not happened to you, then you're probably oh. not doing 
Oh, nice. So you're saying because my clients aren't coming back to me and having, asking me to list their house, then that, that is a sign that uh, they weren't happy with my services. Right. Okay. Well, Fair not enough. just not happy, but you were oh, not here comes you Kathy. were not memorable. Oh, shh, shh. Like to me, broker. you're here supposed to be Oh boy, here we go. Hi Kathy. What did we do wrong? Nothing. Oh. You are a bad buyer's agent if your people aren't being in contact with you. Yes. Oh. Yeah, thank you. Exactly. Sorry. Are you like going to, up or down? No, it's this one. To me it's um it's the I mean, oh, okay. I don't know, but to me, a, a well-educated uh, agent should want should want to know both sides. Like, how do you understand if you just understand the buy side really good and you don't understand the seller side? Like, I don't know. How can you be a good negotiator? Bad, lazy. Just depends on how you want to put it. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Ben from the broker. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you. All right. Good stuff. But um. You know, it's the uh, same thing for reviews. If you uh, to speak to other things, right? Yeah. To me, if you sold three hundred houses, you should probably have a hundred to one hundred and fifty reviews. <laughs> Agreed. No, I. So you're saying if I only have twenty five reviews, or if I you have six, if I got six reviews, three hundred past clients, and well, the reality is, if you sold twenty, look, it's the reality is. You're trying to look for metric. You're making assumptions based on metrics that you can see out there, right? Yeah, right. Because when you've got solid agent representation, we don't we see them. We see people calling us back, right? What's our best? One of our best listing strategies to sell them a house. That's yeah. our best listing strategy in a neighborhood to, that we list houses in. Yeah, if you sell them a house in a neighborhood and then you keep in touch with them. That's actually a really solid listing strategy. Yeah, actually, the best way to become a, li a solid listing agent is to represent more buyers buying houses. I mean, it's been the core strategy of ours for a long time. And obviously, I'm a believer I, in that. Let's talk about some other things. Okay, right. actually, you should be selling a few more homes each year. Oh, so don't have 25 year over year over year over year. Well, go 8, 10, 12. 18. Well, honestly, if you're doing a great, if you're giving, if you're putting the consumer first, okay. you should yeah. have more referrals. How about that one? Oh, How does that one taste? Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No, but honestly, if you are. If I'm making the process easier, I'm making the process faster, I'm making the process less, I'm giving the less hassle. No, oh, no. If you're clients, taking the work away from the client and you're doing the work for them is where we're at that's putting them first where you're okay. you're providing an actual expertise right so Fair when enough. you when you're working with a buyer's agent and you're like don't buy in that neighborhood versus oh you want to buy the house cool let's write it now i think you should write full price right like that that is what leads to no reviews in the future okay yeah good stuff i think that it's a a challenge in, in talking about the solution, Sivak, I don't know that we have seen a lot of, I mean, if anybody read the description, we haven't seen a lot of examples of how agents are improving the process. Agreed. Separate from yeah. the consumer experience. But we're going to find them. Yes. We're going after bigger dogs. Yeah, I think we got to start, maybe we'll start with the people that have lots of reviews. That's not a bad idea. Right. Well, it, Kenny Kloss was supposed to be on today, and he's got 586. Yeah, that's what we want. I mean, Kenny's is the beast. So I, 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 I actually can't really like one of the things that he was that he is doing. Have you heard of Offer Depot? 
Oh yeah, I think that's that's the next. That's part that's, of this. That's this. That's this. That's that this. is it. That, we're definitely talking about that. Absolutely. All right, so we're gonna get him back on the calendar. If you guys are tuning in today because you thought he was gonna be here, we did too. Unfortunately, we all have businesses that we run outside of talking on podcasts, so sometimes we have conflicts, and we apologize for that. But stay tuned, right, Shanley? We're getting them back on the can- calendar. Yeah, awesome. So the one of the other pieces of it is um, in the solution is is. What are you doing for consumer marketing? Fair enough. Right? So when I say that... You me- didn't get the hint that I was trying to wrap it up. Oh. I- <laughs> That's okay. Let's talk about consumer well, marketing. Well, I try and get to 45 minutes and we're only at 37. And so I want gotcha. to throw out one more thing. Let's go. Yeah. One more thing. Right. So consumer marketing is, is um, what are you doing to sell the house... Beyond taking photos and sticking it in MLS, right? And to me, it's open houses. But then the question is, is what are you doing to market that open house? Because is it just signs? Are you actually trying to reach buyers for the open house versus reaching sellers in the neighborhood Okay, for so you. if somebody comes in and they say, I am reaching buyers because I do Facebook marketing for all of my open houses, is that this? No, it's not. Not? but well, then I what, mean, it could what you, be. What you're talking about, Willis? It, it could be, but I don't think that when we meet with buyers, I, I like we task them. We, we ask them questions, right? Like, so where do you shop? They don't say Facebook. Okay. Ever. Never. Okay. Right? Like that's saying like, um, you know, like right now if you're like, you know, do you want to go buy toothpaste? Um, and, that, you know, they say, well, we go to Amazon and then you're saying, well, I'm going to put a magazine. I'm going to put an article in a magazine. Then you'd be like, well, that's – what, he just told you that he was going to Amazon to buy toothpaste or to Walmart to buy toothpaste. So you should be advertising in the places where they're looking. Okay. What do you uh, think? All right, uh, let's poll yeah, the audience. What is the? I don't buy on. Where do buyers go to find homes? Let's rank them in order. What's the number one place that buyer goes to look at homes, other than the emails from a supermarket from magazine? I said this thing's in the top 100. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I mean, anyone from the audience out there? What's the number one place people go to look for homes? Is the internet too broad? Yes. All right, so you're looking for something specific. For like website addresses. A website, a URL. A, a URL. Okay, what URLs do websites most commonly search for listings? Yeah, or, or it on? could be apps, right? It could, okay. be, it could be apps, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'll just, we got it. We got I'll a just fill in... Jeff Zillow, Michelle Zillow. <laughs> Great call, way to go! Yeah. Can we send her a prize? I mean, Michelle, we're sending you a, a we're sending you a prize. Right, a koozie. Yeah. So let's go with this, right? So Zillow had 182. I'm gonna need you to help execute that, Shanley. 182 <laughs> million visits in the month of August. Okay. That's How many lot. did your magazine have? How many? Does Probably more than that. And and you could say, well, Facebook's got 50 billion users and all that stuff. 
But the thing is, there's a. I got more Zillows. I got lots of Zillows. Uh, yeah, Everybody agreed. Where are my Realtor.com people? Number yeah. two, Realtor.com. Number okay. one, right? So is truly still on the list, or do you count that as Zillow? I count that as Zillow, but it's still on I the list. I think does Zillow count that as Zillow as, as and on their 182 million? They count that as Zillow. Too. Oh, so it's a combo. Yeah. yeah okay. Right, because it's a Zillow public company yep. number, right? What about like Homes.com. Probably, I'm gonna go with three. Okay. Right, Homes.com, meaning. When we're talking to buyers and what are they saying, the website of their trusted <laughs> advisor, real John, thank you. Um, we know that that's not true um, based upon our consumer research is that they do look at that. But if they want to look on their own, yeah. it's – I mean you can tell by visits. I mean yes, they're going to go look at your search and all that stuff. But do you remember the story – I'm going to go back to the doctor story about him looking. He didn't – he was on realtor.com. The doctor story? You the son's the, tickets guy oh, right. that's a doctor. Yeah, yeah. They were looking on realtor.com. Yeah. It's always, you know, it might be Redfin. It might be. I was going to say there's got to be brokerage websites in there too. Brokerage like websites. Century21.com. Yes, exactly. Okay. But so if we want to market an open house, where do we got to start? The MLS. But is the MLS Zilla? Ooh, Wow. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. Not no, yet. not yet. <laughs> Ooh, that's the wrong way to answer that. Uh, no. no, the answer is no. No, but you have to verify. My point is, is that it depends on where in MLS you put in the data. If you put it in the wrong spot, it goes into a black hole. Yeah. And no one gets to see it. So you have to verify on Zillow that your ad is there. Yeah. Or yeah. place your own there. And the same thing for Realtor.com and the same thing for Redfin, meaning that you have to be auditing to make sure. And as a part of the solution, we audit it for you. <laughs> huh? As a part of the solution, we audit it for um, you. If you, awesome. if you agent truth, when we give a scorecard out, we go out and see were you marketing your open houses out on these public sites or not. Yeah, that's how we judge your – are you a consumer marketer? Nice. Because yeah. we know that – look at – I mean it, it's not me. It's the agents, right? Everybody says where the – they know Zilla, where Zilla, the, Zilla, Zilla, right? Zilla. But, but yet then we're like, I don't want to market my houses on Zillow. I don't say that it's just and I don't love that that's the truth. But if I want to reach the most amount of buyers – you go to the places, you go to the pools. You go to the in. pools of where they're at, right? I mean, if you would have said Google, I would have, you know, that's probably on the list, right? Buying Google ads, meaning um, if you have an open house in DC Ranch or you would have a top ranking website that said uh, open houses in Scottsdale, mm -hmm. right? Like I Dot could, com. that would, I, you know what I mean? So, right? So the other thing is when we talk about consumer marketing is, is, um, what your photos look like yeah right are you following the um do you believe in the strategy that people put photos in the order that you walk through a house um i believe that somebody teaches them that wrongly oh <laughs> just making sure yeah no i, I mean, see it a lot i've heard it a lot yeah i, I like to put them in the order like the it, front here's door, here's what it is phil it's entry. why we're going to provide a photo seduction class and a how to make your house sexy class is because the agents don't they're never taught this the brokers don't teach it the brands don't teach it 
because that intelligence isn't out there. So we have we're gonna have to put it out there for them to help them because uh, you taught the photo seduction class the other day. Yeah, it, it was excellent. Well, good. Yeah. Thank you. No, yeah. I mean, no, like, but, it was a it, solid, like solid information. Yeah, but I think that's why we can share it with with other people because it's it's something that if we want to survive, that we got to get better. at. We got to get better at. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now is now is, is yeah, it yeah, safe yeah, now yeah, to yeah. wrap it up? Yeah. I mean, we appreciate all of our listeners. Thank you. If you enjoy the content, feel free to share this content with other agents that you know. Or just ask them to join the solution. Yeah, you got to join. Like, right. It's kind of complex because yeah. they have to join the group in order to listen to the live Facebook video. But you could just go to your podcast app oh. and you could listen on podcasts because, dude, Shanley, I got to give him kudos. When I went to the podcast app and I saw that there is now the solution icon. Love it. That Good is awesome. job, Shanley. Look at that. Available there to listen to. So. Thank you all for your time. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next time. Hey, happy Wednesday. Hump day. Thank you for listening to The Solution hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. Stay up to date by following us on soundcloud.com forward slash Phil or download the Apple Podcast app and search for The Solution hosted by Jeff Seabock and Phil Sexton. You can find links to all of our social media platforms in our description, including a Facebook group link to the solution presented by Ask Jeff and Phil. If you have questions, please leave a comment below, and we will answer those questions on Facebook Live, Mondays and Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time.